So, what I want to talk about tonight, I, I want to I read a verse, and uh, it's from Psalms 18 and verse 35. We, we can get that up there, Psalms 18, 35. And it's King David says something, I think, just profound about the way he viewed God and the way that God uh, related to him that I feel like is, a, is just something, if you, you can, if you can understand this about God, life will be a, <laughs> a lot better for you. David said, he said, you have been my shield, you have, he said, you have given me the shield of your salvation. It says, your right hand has held me up, and this is the phrase, your gentleness has made me great. Go to the next verse. And you enlarged my path under me so that my feet did not slip. So David, he said this, I just, this, this, this one phrase, it just, it's just something that stuck with me that he understood about God, that God's gentleness had made him great. King David was one of the greatest kings of, actually probably the greatest king of Israel's history outside of Jesus, but as far as the actual governmental ruler king in the history, I mean, he's, the, he's the top. He's given a tremendous amount of land, responsibilities, and favor from the Lord, and also his son Solomon. And, and David could look at his whole life, and the one thing he could look at his life and say, it's been one thing that's true about the way God's treated me. He's been gentle with me. He's been very gentle in his leadings with me, very kind, very tender in the way that he deals. And I think that there's a, an assault on the character of God and the knowledge of God that the enemy tries to put in our life, that God's not kind, he's not gentle, he's overbearing, he's mostly angry. When he thinks about you, he's slightly ticked. I think most people in Christianity, I talk about people that love Jesus, when they think about how God relates to them, uh, they struggle. And, and it's a real struggle. It's not to beat you up. That's just, it's real. And it's because we have an accuser of the brethren who's accusing us before God and, to, and God before us. And it's this, it's this whole picture that God does, he's not really kind. He, when he looks at you, he's mostly angry. And that is a lie. That is not the Lord. I tell you, when God looks at you, he's mostly glad. He mostly likes what he sees. You're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm jacked up. He still likes you. He still is completely in love with this broken piece of clay. He set his love in you because his love was never dependent upon your good works anyway. You didn't get saved because you were awesome. You got saved because you were dead in your sins. Somehow we think that once we get saved, therefore now it's up to us to keep it clean so God can continue to love us. He's like, I didn't start loving you because you were awesome. I'm not keeping loving you because you're awesome. In fact, you're not awesome. And he, that one sin that you think such a big deal is separating from me, you have no idea, son, how many more sins are out there that you're dealing with. And he, I still love you because I put my affections upon you. God he has a divine gentleness. This is what it means. The Bible says that God is slow to anger. Let's think about that for a second. He's slow to anger. Most of us, that's like slow to anger means I didn't blow up with that lady at McDonald's. That's slow to anger, right? Or, you know, like, like you know, you bite your tongue one time, you don't fire back on Facebook when somebody puts that post out there. You're like, I'm slow to anger. Patient, long-suffering. No, but the eternal long-suffering of God is, I mean, he is absolutely, I mean, slow to get angry with you. And it's talking about of the heart of the person who wants to be his. I mean, the person, it's not, there's a massive difference between rebellion and, 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 uh, and weakness, there's a lot of, and yet the, the, the sins look the same oftentimes. There's a person, one person, he's, he's completely um, uh, in rebellion, trying to find a way into sin, find a way to stay in sin, find a way to, to live in it because he loves it and he wants it. And then there's another person who who's loves Jesus, but is just weak and is struggling in sin. And God views those people very, very differently, though their outward acts may look, very, uh, look, look the same. But the Lord judges the heart and not the outward appearance. 
You ever notice, I mean, some of you guys have felt this. You ever notice how God, he'll just like totally bless you when you least expected it. Like at the time when you were the most jacked up, you hadn't prayed in like three weeks, right? You just looked at porn. I mean, you know, you just did all the stuff you shouldn't have done, right? You'd, you'd been blowing it like crazy. And then all of a sudden the Lord delivers some powerful prophetic word to you about how you're such a man of God. You're like, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Like, stand you up in front of the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, I see you as a righteous and pure vessel. You're like, oh my gosh. And and because and, you realize that like, what? I mean, and, and, and then they'll say other things that bear confirmation or witness or, or you know, the Lord bless you in many different ways. I mean, he has such a wide variety of, of gifts he gives. Um, you know, it gives you that thing you've been praying for forever, you know, and, and, and he finally, it comes to pass. And it's at the time when you, least felt like you deserved it. And the Lord's making a message in it that grace is actually grace. It's not actually given on the basis of works. And the Lord, he is the God who, he really does do the random acts of kindness. You ever notice that sometimes, just, I mean, dude, the Lord will come down and he'll just give you the little divine kiss just because. Just from time to time, just let you know, man, he really likes you, really cares about you. Um, I remember I, uh, <laughs> this is, I was in a, this is years ago, I was working at the church before I came here, and uh, I was single at the time, and, and uh, I was at this church retreat, we had this retreat, and a leader's retreat, and we're at Hilton Head Island, and uh, at this time, I was, I was struggling with a little bit of depression on some things, and, and uh, I felt like the Lord had not, I just have an accusation in my heart that God hadn't been faithful to certain areas of my life, and I thought, um, I also was really questioning whether or not God was really in control of my life. Like, is he really, like, is it up to me? Is it up to you? Is there a partnership? Like, what are we doing here? Like, are you really, uh, are you really interested in the affairs of my life? And I just, I know that's an accusation because it's this, it's this whole idea that we think that God is like super interested in the big stuff, but he's not very interested in the little stuff. The Bible says that he's actually, he actually is perfecting those things which concern you. It's actually, even the little movements of your heart, he is like magnifying glass on it. I mean, he, he cares about every little thing you do in every area of your heart moves. It's not just up there going like, well, I got to solve the peace in Israel and I got to make sure that the economies of the nations don't crash. But then you're like, over here, you're dealing with your depression. He's like, that's beneath me. He's not like that. He's like, he is totally in, in the game with you on the most small and minute little levels of your heart. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, are you even, are you even like in a control? Are you, are you the king? Are you the one who, who, who knows all my life, my details. Are you working things for my, my good? I was having this conversation, and so I go out walking on the beach um, in the afternoon, and we were on this, like, little private area, and I'm walking down the beach, and it's literally nobody, it's one of those, like, private beaches, nobody's out there. It's completely, I mean, as far as you can see, just sand, and I'm, I only went out there walking by myself, and I walked probably a mile, and I'm having this pity party crying to the Lord, and I'm just, God, are you there? You gotta get me a girlfriend, you know, and I'm just like, doing my thing, and I, and I just, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I remember as I was crying to the Lord, I just, something caught my eye, and it was a little, uh, this, like, grassy dune area, and it almost looked like there was a golf course on the other end. It just kind of was interesting. I don't know. And so I kind of walked up the beach from the, from the water and started kind of walking up the, the sand, and I'm up there, and it was a, just a beautiful open pasture. I'm, just, I'm standing on the sand at the beach. Completely nobody is any, I mean, just for miles. It's just a private, empty beach. And I'm sitting out there, and I'm like... God, I just don't know. I just don't know if you care. Are you, are you in control? Are you in control in my life? Uh. <sighs> and I looked down. And I was like, what the heck? And in the sand is written in massive giant letters, 
God is king. And I'm standing in the is. My feet were on the I and the S. I go, what the? I show up, I go, no! It was, it was this, I mean, I could not believe it. I couldn't believe it. Private beach, no one there for miles. I walked out there. So ooh, what is that? I was like, you know, like my ADD. I'm like, ooh, bird, you know. And I, I walk up there, and I, I'm like, I'm like, God, where are you? Control of my life. God is king. He is definitely in control. He is absolutely in. The, I mean, it was like this moment where it was just like he's there. Oh my gosh! Like I'm sure some prophetic weirdo. You know, there's people on the beach. You always think they're a little drunk. You know, they're probably prophets. You know, walking out there with and he's true, and God is king, knowing that I'm going to come along later. You know, the next day and stand right in the is as I'm crying out to God. And I, just, I go, why does he do that? He didn't have to do that. He could have let me sweat it out for a few more years, and I'd have figured it out. I'd have figured out God's in control. But the Lord goes, he goes, I love you. He goes, I, I will do anything, he goes, required to make your heart move in love towards me. What do you need? You need money? I'll give you money. If that's what you need, that'll make your heart move. Some of you are like, oh, that's, that's what I need. He goes, he, goes, he, goes, he goes, I will do whatever's necessary and right to get a proper response of love from you. Someone's like, oh, a sports car would definitely do that. Or it's like, you don't need that. That would do the opposite in you. Probably, anyway. um, he does. I, I, I'll never forget this. I, this is one of my, the sweetest testimonies I've ever had in my life. I, was, uh, I, I, share this, I share this season a lot about this season when Jamie had broken up with me. I share it a lot here. And the reason I, I do is because it was the most difficult season, uh, season in my life. Uh, it's about an eight-month, nine-month window where I was crying every single day, hours a day. And some of you guys are like, that's kind of intense. But I share it because I know that there's some been people who have gone through deep pain. And maybe what you've experienced was actually more difficult than what I went through. But pain is relative to the person. Whatever you've gone through that's most difficult, that's the most difficult thing in the world, right? And, um, oh, you taking a video of me, man? How am I looking? You have a good son? Yeah? All right. Um, anyway, and so I... Uh, I was in this, this place with just, I mean, tremendous pain. And it wasn't just because Jamie had broken up with me. That was, that was hard. It was actually more about how God had led me. God had done so many things to get me into a certain place in life, and then he pulled the rug completely out from, out, out from underneath me. And now, next thing you know, I'm living in Kansas City, 800 miles away from Atlanta. Where it's completely over. It's bad. She don't want to have anything to do with me. I'm brokenhearted. And I'm more brokenhearted because I don't understand how God's led me in my life, and I'm starting to feel like the Lord is the God who dangles the carrot just so you could fall off the cliff. Has anybody ever felt that way with the Lord before? And it's, it's a lying is a testimony of God because I tell you this, if you can understand the judgments and the disciplines of the Lord, he does it because he loves you. And if you would just give yourself enough time, you'll probably wind up agreeing with it if you don't fall away in the meantime. I feel like I need to say that again, but I'm not. But, um, and so I'm there. And I remember uh, I was, it was October and I'm, I'm, I was just, I felt like I was dying. I just like the knowledge of God in my heart, who he was. And I was, I was just such a, such a place of pain. And I, uh, I remember one day, because um, things were over with her and I. It was bad. She didn't want to have anything to do with me. I mean, it was, it was dead. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, Lord, I, I, this is, you know, I don't know how to do, I don't know how to continue to, to I can't get my heart to come alive. And uh, I remember um, I was walking to the prayer room up at Kansas City. Uh, I was like through the snow, and I, it was like real cold, I remember. And I'm walking up there. And my brother at that time was living two houses down from the house of prayer him and his wife and kids. 
But I was, so I was walking past his house to go to the house of prayer. And I look into the window of my brother's house and I see this Asian dude on a guitar in my brother's house singing. Top of his lungs. I was like, what the heck? And I see my brother and his wife on the couch and they're just, it's like he's playing for just my brother and his wife. I was like, that's weird. And so I, I'm walking, the whole time I'm walking down, I'm like, man, I got to go see what that's about. Like, what's the deal? I don't even know who that guy is. And so I put my bag down in the prayer room. I'm like, I got to go. So I walk out and I walk over to my brother's house. He like I said, he lived right across the street. And I, I, I walk in the door and the guy's singing the song and worship. And my brother, I mean, they're literally just sitting in front of him on the couch. And I just kind of walk in while the guy's singing. I'm like, and I sit down and my brother's like, he goes, Psst. I, go, I go, yeah. He goes, he goes, just met this guy in the coffee shop. His name's Amos. And he goes, I think the guy's a prophet. I'm like, cool. So the guy sings, and all of a sudden he gets done, uh, he gets done with his song, sets his guitar down, and he says, he goes, hey there. He goes, he goes my, name's, my name's Amos. He goes, I'm from Singapore. I just got here from Singapore. And I go, oh, cool, man. I go, my, my name's Jamie. He goes, Jamie, awesome. He goes, Jamie, Jamie. Jamie. He goes, you know, I just met another Jamie, a female Jamie from Georgia. And I'm, I'm looking at him, my brother's wife are like, and they're staring at me like, and, and, and Amos goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, yeah, I just met her in Georgia. And he goes, he looks at me right in the eyes, he goes, do you know her? And immediately, man, I started sweating. I was like, hi, hi, hi. I mean, I, I, I started tearing up. I'm like, oh. it was like put, the Lord's pushing my button. I mean, did they, and I, I and I go, oh, I think I do. And he goes, he, and then he goes, tell me, how did you get here? Talking about Kansas City. And I go, oh, it has a lot to do with that girl you're talking about. And he goes, he goes, he goes, explain. And I started going. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, stop. Thus saith the Lord. He begins to prophesy. I mean, with thunder over me for about 20 minutes of the reason why God had put us together and the reason why He had broken us up. And then for the reason that he therefore sent me to Kansas City so that my heart and my love wouldn't be on a girl but in God. And that the Lord was actually shutting the door there so that my heart would open to him so I would make him my first love in my life. And he's prophesying to me. And it's, I'm getting blown up. My brother and his wife were like, no. It, they were, it was so freaky. Well, here's the deal, guy. The guy, was, he's from, he lives in Singapore. And he's flying to Kansas City. Flight, and he does a layover in Atlanta. He's walking through the airport, and he sees a person that he knows from a conference he'd been at, and it was a person he used to be uh, connected to the house prayer in Atlanta. He sees this lady, he goes, oh, and she goes, she goes, how long is your layover? He goes, it's like 12 hours. She goes, come to a picnic we're having at IHOP Atlanta. So he comes to a picnic at IHOP Atlanta, and he's sitting there afterwards. He goes, I have a word for that girl right there. And so he waits till after the picnic, and he goes and he prophesies over Jamie. Then he gets on the plane, flies to Kansas City, meets my brother in the coffee shop that morning, and he's in my brother's house that night. When I walk in the door, he says, I just met another Jamie from Georgia. So from Singapore to Kansas City on the same day, he runs into the two Jamies. Runs into her, prophesies over her, and then that night's prophesying over me about her and I. Now you do the math on that one. Singapore to Kansas City, and you run into the two Jamies in two different states that are going to get married. And I tell you, it was a moment where I just sat there. I was crying my eyes out, and I just went, this, it just it gave me hope that God is going to restore things. And he wound up doing it. 
And that's not, a, that's not a prophecy for every one of you here. You're like, I knew it. My boyfriend from eighth grade is coming back. Everybody's got your story. You got to walk this thing out with God, okay? And he's probably no good for you anyway. Um, anyway, so, but for me, that was, a, that was a moment where I just go, like, why did God do that? He didn't have to do that. He could have let me sweat it out for a few more months and then restored everything without that. That's it. Why? Because he, he's, he's kind. He's gentle with my heart. I remember Amos looked at me. He goes, he goes it's interesting. He goes, he goes, he goes, the prophetic gifts the Lord's given me, a lot of times he goes, I, I see it. I hear it real clearly. He goes, but the Lord's actually, I can tell he's specifically hiding certain information from me right now. He says he's doing that because he wants to be gentle with your heart and he wants to reveal it to you. Gentle with your heart. So many of us, I, I just feel that the, this, this idea that, that uh, related, and I want to talk about gen, the gentleness of God because this, this, this issue confronts the accusation the enemy gives so many of us that we're disqualified from the calling that God put on our life. Some of you guys, we, we walk around with this belief that we're disqualified from what God's called us. And, and the reason is because we have a real enemy. The enemy is called the accuser of the brother. He accuses you continually to yourself why you're not good enough, why you don't measure up, why you can't fulfill the things God, God has called you to do. And it, and it comes out in so many different ways. Some of you guys, it's, it's just the way you're made. It's your weak frame. You have a weak frame. You realize, man, I'm not that anointed. Some of you guys are like, I can't minister. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not like a preacher. Some of you guys are like, I can't preach. Some of you guys are like me, and you're like, I can't sing. I can sing in the shower with the reverb. It's awesome. But when it comes out here, it doesn't ever sound the same. You ever, you ever like listen to you're singing in the car? You're like, this is awesome. Then you like record yourself. And you're like, who the heck? You know? You can't preach. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough friends, connections. You're not pretty enough. Whatever. You know, you're not, whatever. I mean, the enemy will, will accuse you on every level. And to make you feel that, that, that your shortcomings are too much for you to actually fall fall to do what God's called you to do. Your own, uh, I say, your own just uh, immaturity. I, I mean, I just look back on my life and I go, man, how many times did God in my immaturity overlook my immaturity and still bless me? You guys ever felt that way? It's like, man, I'm, you're all jacked up and yet God still, like, like every time we sin, we think, oh, God's going, we think God's going, no, that's the last one. You know, you had 50 chances. That was 51. You know, from here on out, we're renegotiating our salvation deal. That's how we feel, isn't it? But, you know, I just know how the Lord, even in like, even in seasons when I was completely immature, like he would still reach across the aisle to bless me. Like even like when I, I didn't understand the ways of God, he would even meet me in my lack of understanding. I remember when I was, when I, when I first got saved, I got saved at the Browns were revival where people were like getting, getting touched, people were falling out everywhere. You guys ever been? There's meetings like that where people fall out and shake and bake. I mean, that was how, like, when I got saved in that kind of environment. So I thought, because I just got saved, that if you were spiritual, that meant you fell out or you shook. Has anybody ever felt that before? Okay. I felt that. I remember, like, going, like, and I remember when I get prayed for, it'd be like, I remember, I remember we went to a Benny Hinn crusade one time, and I, and I remember, uh, Okay, so Billy, I just said uh, this. Billy told me to come down there and get prayed with all, with, when all the pastors go get prayed. But I was, in, I, I was in, in college. So I go down there, I'm standing with all the pastors, and people are asking me, are you a pastor? I'm like, yeah. I'm like lying, you know. I'm like, well, you know, I do disciple that one kid. I'm kind of like his pastor. 
Somebody making all these excuses to go get prayed for by Benny Hinn. And I watched, literally, I watched probably 500 pastors he prayed for. They all fell out in the spirit. I mean, everyone, I mean, it looked like, it just looked like they were just getting thrown and tossed and boom. And I'm like, this is my chance. There's no way I'm missing out on this. I mean, everybody's getting knocked out. That's going to happen to me. I know that. Because that's how I view, I thought spirituality was how, the, how you manifested. And I remember I get up there and everybody's boom, boom. I'm lying on the whole way up there, you know. And I get up there and they touch Billy. Billy goes flying and, Bill, and, and Benny Hinn comes up to me and goes, whoosh, and slaps me in the face. I mean, oh, I mean, no, no, I didn't fall down. I just red hand mark. I mean, across, I had a big old, like, like red hand right there. He just nailed me in the face, and then I didn't move, and the ushers were like, and they pulled, they pulled me off, and I was like, oh, oh. That was my experience with falling out, and so I thought that God, you were spiritual by falling out. And I remember, uh, and I never do. I never, I still don't. To this day, I mean, the whole place could be doing like this jiggly jiggles. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like stone man. And, you know, and it's a little uncomfortable sometimes. You know? And I remember, uh, I remember the, the, something happened to me one time in my life. And I was in Brownsville at the revival. And I'm sitting there. And I'm, I'm having this pity party with the Lord. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in the wrong. I'm like, I'm like, God must not love me. I'm doing this whole thing like, you know, I'm not spiritual, you know. And in that moment, in my brokenness and my weakness and my jacked up theology, because I thought that was what it meant to be spiritual, I'll just say that if you felt that as totally not, it's not, the Lord's made you a little differently. It's okay. You can still receive even if you don't shake. But I'm sitting there and I remember, I was just like, all right, God, I'm going to try this one, one more time. And I remember I was walking over to this pew, that pew there, and I just, I just saw the corner of a pew. And I just went, I don't know, something about it just looked interesting. I just was like, I think I'm supposed to hold that. <laughs> so I walked over and I held this, this deal. And I'm looking at the ministers praying for people. John Kilpatrick, I remember that. And he was on the other side of the building. As soon as I held on to the pew, I, I remember I caught eyes with him. He's on the other end of the building. And I watched him turn and look my direction and just starts moving through the crowd, praying for people. are falling. He's just <laughs> coming my direction. And I was like, huh. And I remember he gets right up, he gets with that, like me to Sam right here. And he gets right here next to me. And he looks at him and he goes, he goes, fire and I was like I was all of a sudden I go like this I mean some legs in the air holding and it shocked me so much I grabbed the pew on the way down I was like nah, and I grabbed it and I was like pull myself back I was like ah. and he and he goes he goes don't resist God like that and, he, and all of a sudden it flew out again and I was started laughing so hard I was like oh my gosh because I knew I mean I've done a courtesy drop before you may ever done the courtesy drop before where it's like you fell down but then you're like uh, that was hamburger helper all right this was this was the real deal, like it literally knocked me back and knocked me down. And I remember just going like, oh my gosh, God is real. There's no way that was the Lord. Some of you guys are like from different backgrounds, you're like, where's that in the Bible? We'll talk later. But, um, but the Lord, I mean, con, con, it did that, and yet I was jacked of my theology. I thought that's how you were to be spiritual. And in that place of whatever, I just needed God just to touch me because I was broken. And he met me even with my jacked up stuff. And he helped me. Some of us, man, we feel like, man, God can't use you. He can't do it because you're disqualified. You're too undisciplined. Well, you don't pray enough. You don't fast enough. You don't read your Bible enough. You haven't been in the prayer room in a long time. You haven't witnessed in a long time. Therefore, when the opportunities come, you don't do it because you're like, well, I haven't been doing it in a long time. Therefore, I'm not qualified to do it. Therefore, I don't do it. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You never do anything. I want to just say, man, that you're not qualified by your works. You're qualified because he's made you a minister of the gospel. I want to read a, read a passage from Paul. 
said this in 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4. He says, and we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. He goes, all of our ministry powers, he goes, he goes everything we do, he goes, it didn't come from us. He goes, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Who made it? God did. I want to say, everyone, God has made you a sufficient minister, not because of yourself, not because how awesome you were, but because of what he did for you. Now, does that mean we just sit back and don't do anything for God? No. Does that mean we don't work on our, our spiritual disciplines? Absolutely not. But those are the things, in other words, those things don't qualify you whether or not you have, the, you have, you have truth in your mouth or whether or not God can use you at this moment. It's one of those things to forget those things which are behind and press forward to the things which that God, you know, the, the, he said, he said that the, the very things that God bought you for. It's, it's this idea that even, I, I recognize that I, I can't do anything even about my past, my yesterday, but in this moment, I can choose to obey. I love a first, first Timothy 1, verse 12. Paul said, verse Timothy 1, 12, he said, and I thank Jesus Christ, he says, our Lord, who has enabled me because he, he counted me faithful, putting me into ministry. Now, this is what's interesting about Paul the Apostle. He got put into ministry immediately. Did you notice that? He, get, he, gets, he goes to, um, he's like, you know, road to Damascus, gets the, the scales coming from his eyes, and immediately the Lord sends him into, uh, uh, into uh, Jerusalem to preach, and then eventually sends him to Arabia, then back to, um, back to Jerusalem. But he immediately begins to preach the gospel. The Lord put him in ministry immediately. But now I'm going to ask you this question. Was Paul the apostle, this faithful guy to Jesus right up to the time he got saved? No, he was killing Christians. And he actually says that. He says, although I was a former, formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, he goes, but I obtained mercy because I did it in ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. He says, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief. However, for this reason, in other words, because I was such a bad sinner, he goes, I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus might show all long-suffering and as, as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. And so Paul actually says, he goes, he goes how horrible I was, God met me there as an, to show an example to everybody else of how rich my grace and my mercy would be. Like if the word, I mean, I mean, none of you guys, can, none of us, man, I mean, I hope not, but probably don't, you probably don't have the testimony, yeah, I was traveling, finding Christians and putting them to death. And if you did, and you're not doing that now, I want to hear your testimony. But if that's not your testimony, that's a pretty rough testimony, right? And Paul said, that was my testimony. He goes, I hated the church. I hated Jesus. I was fighting against him. And in that place, God came, found me, met me, saved me, and then he immediately put me into ministry. And some of us kind of go, we go, well, I've got to have all these years of faithfulness and da-da-da for God to do this in ministry. And yet, this, this is of him that the Lord put him in ministry immediately upon his salvation. Not because he was awesome. Because of God's ability to call him. Not because he was worthy or he did anything for it, but because God and his grace towards, towards Paul. I was talking to, uh, to Shanna this week, and uh, she, already, she told me I could share this. Uh, but... Um, uh, I'd asked her to go and speak at Lee University to the uh, to share the exhortation when they got there, and, and I remember we had this conversation because she said that she didn't feel like she could because 
past three weeks, uh, just for different reasons, she's had to be at home, at her family's home, and it's just been kind of a little bit of, a, for her personally, just a little bit of kind of maybe an impressive kind of uh, environment for her, not because of her family, just, just where she was at. Hadn't been in prayer much in the past three weeks, three, four weeks, and just was feeling pretty kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm using my words, but kind of lousy in the spirit. And then I call her up and say, hey, I want you to go preach to about 45 hungry young people that want to give their life to Jesus. And she's like, oh, my gosh. You ever been there? You ever been there where you're like, you know, it's like, you know, you've been like blowing it. You haven't been doing so great. And then God's like, I want you to go prophesy. You're like, oh, my God. You know, like, how can I do that? Like, I've been jacked up. But that was where she was at. She was like, and she was just kind of like, I don't, she's like, I got to pray about it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I, I'm, 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 I'm where the Lord wants me to go. And I love it because she finally just said yes. And I was telling her, I said, like, I was like, your calling is not based upon how awesome you are. Is that for me? My wife wants to know if we're done preaching. No. Um, she must have been long winded. No, I'm still good on time. Um, and so I say, I, I told her, I said, uh, I said, I said, I just said, Hey, I said, the Lord's going to, he's going to give you the grace because he's anointing. And listen, your gifting and your calling isn't about you anyway. Your gifts and your calling is about the other person. That's why God gave you the gift for the people, not for you. And it doesn't mean that we, we, we neglect ourselves by no means, but there, there's a reality that the Lord will a lot of times use us. In spite. If he, if, if God's waiting for, to use the perfect vessel, he would use nobody. If you, if, you, if you think he's waiting for you to be like an all-star in the spirit, you're never going to do anything for Jesus. He used broken men. I mean, that was his, his, all of his disciples, his whole entire team was all broken men. And, uh, and then I, I just got word that, you know, Shanna went up there at Lee and just, I mean, spoke with just authority and power. And she gives an altar call in the entire room, answers the altar call, and just went to a intense time of ministry and just power. I mean, a, she's a powerful preacher. And, uh, and, uh, and I just love it because she, previous to that, she's like in disillusionment. And all of a sudden, it just, you know what I found is, I'm just, God will give you opportunities to minister for you. It's actually, in other words, he's doing it to minister because he loves the people, but he does it also to hedge you in to actually give you confidence to do the very thing you know you're called to do. There's so many times, man, I wouldn't even go to church unless I was preaching. Just being honest. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes I'm like, I'm like I just want to stay home and watch you know, a movie. And and yet the Lord, because he's, he's hedged me in by giving me an opportunity, I then do it and I preach. And all of a sudden I'm like, I love this. <laughs> this is awesome. I can do this all day. And, you, and, you really, and your heart comes alive and it catches vision again. And so man, whatever God's called you guys to do, just know that that's, that's for you. The Lord's used that to hedge you in. To, so when he gives you opportunities, he's hedging you in to actually cut, make your heart come alive. And I think a lot of people, often we, we as young people, we, they, they disqualify themselves because they think they're not old enough. They haven't been, whatever, to school enough. And uh, I love, uh, you know, you guys know the prophecy of Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Jeremiah 1, 4. And he says, uh, he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I, I just stop right there. There's a great verse, if somebody's arguing, like, the, over the issue of abortion. Uh, God knows them, even before they're in the womb. He said, I ordained you as a prophet of the nations. And he says, he said, and, and, and so Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall, uh, you shall go to all whom I send you, and wh whoever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you. I just want to say that, man, guys, if you ever step out to preach the gospel, this will be the thing you're going to counter the most fear over, is men's faces. That's the thing, man. That's the reason why people don't do it. What would, it's it's that, that fear of whether they're going to look at you, what they're going to think, and it's, that, 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 it's, it's, it's narcissism. We, we, we love ourselves a lot. But Jeremiah, the Lord was hitting this very thing. He said, I've called you. Don't say you're too young. He goes, I'm putting my words in your mouth. 
He goes, and don't be afraid of their faces. If, you, if we can break the fear of man, guys, we could be powerful in the kingdom. I, re- I, I, I remember, I mean, it's, how old was I? I was a junior in high school. How old are you when you were a junior? 17? Yeah, I think I was 17. I was older than everybody else. But anyway, um, 17 years old, and uh, I, it, was a, it was a Thursday morning. And Wednesday night, we had had church service at, uh, at the church, and Billy had us all getting into little small groups. And he said, and we were praying, and I remember I prayed with this little group. I just said, uh, folks, I said, tomorrow, God, do something great in my life. Now, I, you know, you pray those kind of prayers all the time, but I just, I remember specifically saying, tomorrow, do it tomorrow. So, se- so second period comes around, and I'm sitting in uh, the trailer, teacher's teaching, and I, and I remember that prayer. It just kind of came back to me. I was like, oh, yeah, I prayed that. Hmm, whatever. Go to the next period, third period. We go to the gym. Sitting in the gym, and I walk over to the, the, uh, the, uh, the doors, and I look outside, and a couple other kids were looking outside, and it had gone completely, like, black outside. Like, I mean, dark. The street lights come back on. It was like a greenish-gray clouds. I mean, it just looked funky. And all of a sudden, it starts hailing, coming down. And there had been a storm system that had killed 75 people in Oklahoma. The same system was moving through Georgia. And everybody's like, you know, you got other kids. It's amazing how everybody becomes a weather expert at those moments. You know what I'm saying? They're like, it's a wall cloud. It's a wall cloud. I'm like, I don't see it. But, um, and then all of a sudden the principal comes on the intercom and he's like, he's like, everybody right now, they've been, he actually tells us that there's been a tornado spotted on Pleasant Hill and he's freaking out. He's like, we're all going to die. He didn't say that. But, but it's like when the principal is freaking out, it just does not give a lot of confidence to everybody else, you know? And so and he's like getting the, uh, the sirens and get in the tornado position, you know, where you go in the hallway and you stick your head in the, uh, in the corner, like that's going to help. And so, but so they took all the dudes from the gym, the course room and the weight room, and they shoved all the guys in, in the, in the men's locker room. And we're sitting in the men's locker room. I remember this. I was, I was sitting there and it was, it was intense. We could hear the, the wind outside, hails hitting, thunders and lightnings. They're saying there's a tornado right there on Pleasant Hill Road, right next to our school is that. And uh, there was fear in the room. There was real fear. People were, were, were gripped. I mean, it was just in a very intense moment. I'm sitting there, and I'm feeling it too. And all of a sudden, I just, I kind of just feel like I hear the voice of the Lord. Now, when I say hear the voice of the Lord, some of you guys are like, he's a preacher. He must just hear God audibly. No, most of the time I'm like, is that me? Is that God? Is that pizza? I can't figure this out. But it's just sometimes it's your own thoughts. You know what I mean? I, I, I talk, that's exactly what's happening. I'm having this conversation in my head, and I think it's God. And I feel like the Lord says, okay, you prayed it. And then I'm remembering my prayer. And I was like, uh, okay. There's about 120 students, 120 dudes in there. And, and I feel the Lord say, he says, you've asked me to use you. I'm like, uh, yeah. And he says, he says, I want you to get up and preach to all these people. And I immediately got like, I mean, my Adam's apple got bigger. I, was like, I mean, I was just like, <laughs> I go, no, I mean, internally, I'm going, no, God, seriously, like, you know, the public high school, I mean, how many of you guys, y'all go to public high school, you ever been there? Yeah, they don't really love Jesus there, yeah, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, seriously, I, I mean, I'll pray for him from the distance, you know, I, I just, I, ugh, I mean, I'm, I'm sweating, and I feel the Lord is putting his finger on me, like, you've prayed, I'm going, 
oh my God, Lord, please, no. Uh, uh. And I'm sitting there, I'm walking around the room, and I'm like, Lord, I can't. I mean, I can't speak, you know. I'm feeling what Jeremiah feels. I'm like, I'm not, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not qualified for this. I'm going everything. I mean, I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't preach. They're going to laugh at me. I won't have anything to say. I don't even know what I'll even talk about. I don't even, I don't, uh, I'm, doing, I'm making every excuse in the world. And, I, and I, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, ah. Uh, and, and I remember, I finally just said, I said, ah. Uh, uh, no, I can't, I can't, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to think about it. I just kind of tuned it out of my head. And I remember walking around, I don't want to describe this, but it was like every person I was looking at, <laughs> I, this isn't, I'm, I'm exaggerating this, but it was like everyone had a, like a light bulb and it was like, preach to me, preach to me. I mean, I was talking to people and it was just like, you never been start, you look at him, you just start staring. And my conscience was, was convicting me and I felt like I was on a timer. The wind was howling and it was just this moment of just kind of, it was intense. And I'm like, oh. I don't know, I don't know. And I finally just said, that's what I did. I finally go, I go, okay, oh, 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 okay, God. Okay, listen, God. All right, all right, okay. And I do what every one of you would do. I go, if this is really you, then give me a sign. All right, that's our, that's our cop out. And I'll just say this, 95% of the time, he doesn't do that. 95% of the time, he will not give you that sign because you're just a doubt and unbelief. Every now and then, he throws you a bone. He threw me a bone this time. I said, Lord, give me a sign. And I kid you not, as soon as I said that this short, this African-American dude, never even seen him before. I don't know if I even saw him since. He comes right up to me. I tell you, he looks at me, he goes, dude. I just look at me, he goes, he goes dude, we're going to die. And I went, huh? And he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, man, I just, I wish I had like my Bible or I could hear the word or something. And he turns and he walks away. And I'm like, no! I was, it was, I was like, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. I would need the word. He wants the word preached to him. I was like, you got, he wants his Bible. I was like, you got, I never even seen him, I never saw him before, never saw him since. Anyway, I just sat there going, I can't not believe that just happened. It just, I just, I'm like, now I'm in. I just, I'm, I have to do this. I, I, I have no choice, Right? I'm now a Calvinist. I had no choice. Anyway, so um, I was joking. I, I'm sitting there, and I go, ah, and I, and I finally just went, and I did this. Okay, okay, God, all right, this is, Lord, I, I'll do it. I have no idea what to say. Oh, my gosh, the teachers were all in there. The teachers were, like, blowing whistles and trying to get everybody to shut up, and, you know, it's just chaos. Ah, and everybody's just kind of crying, screaming everywhere, and kids, you know, ah, you know and, and I'm sitting there in the middle, and I'm just like, oh, God, I'll do I don't know what to say. What do I, and out of my mouth, I didn't even know I said, I went, can I have your attention? Oh, you know, and I said that, and as soon as I go, can I have your attention? I'm telling you, for 30 minutes, they've been trying to get everybody to shut up. They couldn't do anything with whistles, everything. And I go, can I have your attention? Everybody went, and I had 120 people staring at me, and I was like, oh, crap. I was like, here goes. And I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know anything I was going to say. I want to tell you something. Sometimes we got to step out, and the Lord will give you the words in that hour. It's just how he does it. And I think there's, there's the miracles and the signs and the preaching. You got some of you guys are like, I want to be preachers. There's so much opportunity. You're like, I want to do it on the stage in front of people. No, no, no. Go to Marta and stand up. They can't leave until the next train gets there. I mean, come on. It's a captive audience. The mall, I mean, you may get kicked out. So what? Just say you go to 12 Stone if they ask you. Don't tell me come here. We love 12 Stone. 
where was I? Y'all got me off. I'll tell y'all a story. Yeah, so yeah, I said that, and they all are looking at it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and I remember I started into it, it was weak, it was no, I mean, no annoying, I, 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 my voice was cracking, I was like, um, so I know there's a tornado coming, and, um, it's a little scary, and I, and I just start talking, but as I just began to talk, and I began to talk to them about their life, and I said, I said, listen to me, he said, I said, I said, if this tornado was to come, I was like, and you were to die, and it could happen literally, I mean, in the next few minutes. I was like, you're going to stand before the very one who created you. And something began to shift. And I said, I said, and the question is, where are you going to spend? Every one of you will live forever. The question is, where will you live? And I began to talk to him about heaven and hell and the realities of it and about what it means to actually be saved and born again, that you don't just get saved because you're a good person, that none of us are good people. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our righteous works are like filthy rags. And I began to talk to him about this. And, and I, I said, and I told him, I said, uh, I said, I said, some of you guys right now, you may think you're Christian, but you don't actually serve Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And I began to talk to him about this. And the anointing began to shift. I remember all of a sudden it went from being like whatever in the room to all of a sudden like a holy fear and a holy hush hit the building. You could have felt a pin drop in there. It got thick. It got thick. I re- oh gosh, I remember this. I'm sitting there preaching and this like Straight up, I mean, thug dude comes up. He comes walking up. I mean, gold teeth. I mean, he comes right up to me. Gets right in my face. I didn't know he was going to punch me. As I'm preaching, I look at him. Everyone's looking at him. And I look at him. He's got tears streaming down his face. And he falls down on his knees sobbing. And I saw that and I was, it kind of emboldened me. I'm like, and thus saith the Lord. You know, I just was kind of going for it then. But I, I start preaching this thing, and I said, in a minute, I'm going to give an altar call, and I'm going to give everyone here an opportunity that needs to give their life to Jesus and make him Lord. And the room's just silent, and I start preaching the gospel. And, dude, I'm going to tell you something. When you're in that position, when you stepped out in faith, and, you, and you're in your weakness, not because you're awesome. I mean, I was, like, two minutes ago, I'm cracking my voice, and I didn't want to do it. Three minutes later, four minutes later, I'm like Moses, Right? with the Ten Commandments. I'm like, thou shalt not steal. You know, people are like falling down before me. And, and I'm like, how, how does that happen? It's the anointing of God. When you step out, all of a sudden in your weakness, God meets you and he brings his strength. And I'm, I'm preaching with authority and I give an altar call and about 100 students cry out to receive Jesus that morning in our gym. It's powerful. And I tell you, the one reason I wasn't going to do it is the same reason Jeremiah. I didn't think I was qualified. I did not think I had the gifts. I didn't. I was the kid that stuttered like crazy whenever I spoke in front of people. And I didn't think I could do it. And I, I thought I was too afraid of men's faces. I think the last thing that people, and I'm going to end with this, the, the reason why we feel disqualified is because of our sin. We've blown it too many times. I want to read two verses, and then I'm going to close. Psalms 103, verse 7. Psalms 103, verse 7. Did I give you that one? There it is. It says, he made his ways, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. What he means is, the children of Israel, they saw everything that God did and they understood that and they were afraid of it because of his powerful acts, but they said that the ways of God were known to Moses. In other words, the children of Israel knew what God did, but Moses knew why God did what he did. And I want to say that's a real important distinction. When you guys... The question we need to be asking the Lord is, Lord, not just what, what are you doing, it's why are you doing what you're doing? Does that make sense? It's understanding God's heart behind what he does. This is what Moses understood. It says, the, and this is one of the, the key revelations. 
that the Lord is merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in mercy. And he will not always strive with us. In other words, he won't always be angry. Nor will he keep his anger, anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. I love this passage. I, I feel like it's something that you guys, we need to meditate on. God, he has not given you or I according to our sins. I'm talking about to the person here's a believer in Jesus that loves God and brokenness and weakness. I'm not talking about the person who's, who's in rebellion, doesn't want God, doesn't want to be born again. There's, there's a real difference the way that the Lord treats rebellion and weakness. But for the person who's genuine but struggling, the Lord will not treat you as your, as your sins deserve. He's cast your sins far from the east as from the west, and he pities you like a father pities her children. Man, my kids, they could totally screw it up all day long, and I'm just like, I'm going to spank you, but man, I love you. I'm going to help you because I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to leave you as you are. And, you know, there's, there's ne- my, my, their, their, their poor behavior never affects my, the way I think and the way I love them. How much more God is towards us. He pities those who fears him. And this, I love the last verse, is for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Like God is the one who knows all the reasons why you do what you do. Even your jacked up stuff, stuff you've been struggling with, what, he knows why you struggle with it. Like you're out there going like, I've done that a million times. And he goes, he goes, and you're beating yourself up. And he goes, he goes, yes. He goes, you need, we're gonna, I'm gonna help you get free from that. But I do understand what's going on. I understand what's causing that addiction. I understand what, what things in your life have happened to get you where you're at. I understand why that's a struggle. I remember that. I remember your frame. And I look for the smallest movements of your heart to come out of it. Amen? Guys, your sin is not disqualifying you. I'm not saying it's not important. It is very important. We can't live in sin. We can't continue on it. We can't make excuses for it. There's a difference between making an excuse for it and understanding what it is and fighting against it. And when you sin, you get right back up and you fight against it. You call it, call it sin. Call it what it is. You make it your enemy. But you don't make peace with it. But at the same time, your sin doesn't define you. It does not define you. Amen. I, and I know, I just know, I know that this one personally I know from years of just feeling like, I remember feeling like every times in my life that my spiritual level, how, how, how much God liked me and loved me was due to how long I'd been free from pornography. Does that make sense? You might have ever felt, not, you know, to say that was your issue, but I remember thinking like, if it had been two days since I felt pornography, then God was still angry at me. Well, you know, I'm working it out. But if it had been a month, then I am a man of God, right? If it had been three months, I'm telling everybody else how to get free. Okay, let's just stand. So uh, let's just, I don't know if the worship team is here or back there. I want to just give us an opportunity to, to respond. To anybody here would just say, you know what, um, just bringing it back to full circle, uh, that one thing I recognize over my life and I, and I see it over King David's life and so many is that the way that God has dealt with us is gentle. And I feel like the Lord wants to reveal his divine gentleness even again to us, that we would receive that. The way that he, he loves you and cares about you. He's gentle in his approach. And uh, I want to just break shame off anybody. I mean, I just, not me, but the, the Lord. For anybody that's, man, just feeling like you're not qualified. You, you've missed out. You've blown it too many times. You, you, you send your last sin, 
you know, you, you've, you're not annoying enough, you're not clever enough, you're not whatever. And you don't, you've just, you're pulling yourself and putting yourself on the bench because of your, your uh, inadequacies or your failures or your moral failures or the times you've sinned. And I just want to think, I believe the Lord is wanting to restore, strengthen, and show you how gentle he is, that you're dark but lovely, that even in your brokenness, he still loves you, has a plan for your life, and he wants to use you even in your weakness and even in your brokenness. So I, I just feel that. I just feel God's gentle towards you. He's gentle. He's, he's not angry. He's slow to anger. He's kind. He's great kindness. He's merciful. He doesn't, he's not expecting something from you you can't give. He's rich in love. 